LinkedIn presents. This is the Forbes Books Podcast, conversations with remarkable folks who are impacting the world of business and beyond. Hola, I'm Joe Partavilla, and my guest today is Leslie Burrell, a startup founder and passionate advocate for reimagining childcare in the 21st century. She has over two decades of experience in tech, working for some of the most innovative and influential companies in the world. She's led teams and projects that have delivered cutting-edge solutions for millions of customers across various domains and platforms. But she's not here to talk about her past achievements. She's here to share with us her vision for the future of childcare and how she's making it a reality with her groundbreaking app, Carefully. Carefully is a network of parents that are redefining the traditional care circle model for the digital age. Leslie is the CEO and co-founder of Carefully, and she's here to tell us more about her journey, her challenges, and her insights. Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me, Joe. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on because I stumbled upon your Carefully app sort of accidentally. So full disclosure, I'm a lifelong New Yorker, three years ago relocated to Charleston, South Carolina, built a house down here, live in a subdivision, and I was never a Facebook person. But one of the things I you have to do when you join like a new neighborhood, you have to like join the Facebook group to like get information on what's going on in the hood, you know, any kind of celebrations, yard sales, stuff like that. And I started noticing this proliferation of posts of people scrambling for babysitters and for play dates. And I'm like, this is what life has become that we have to go to Facebook where usually our grandparents are arguing about politics to looking for childcare. So Set the scene for me, because obviously Carefully fills in this gap of being able to connect people to help with childcare. So how did you come up with it? Did, did you see the same problem I was seeing that like, this is crazy that people go on a Facebook to find help for their kids? Uh, yeah, definitely. And just to back up a little bit, I actually started Carefully back in 2016. That's when the idea sort of came to life for me. And my son was three going on four. And so he was just at the age where he was starting to play more independently. And yeah, I was part of a Facebook group. It was actually, it's a very large Facebook group in Brooklyn. I live in Greenpoint. And they had started a care circle in a Google Sheet, which which was not very effective. And I was in between jobs at the time. So I was trying to find ways to, you know, find playdates for my son. And I didn't have a lot of friends that had kids at the time. So... So that was sort of how it all came to be. I actually met somebody at the park that he went to school with and I and I asked to have a play date. And as a single mom, I was thinking, okay, well, the kid will come over. They'll have a play date. I'll get a little bit of a break while they're playing. Me being naive, I did not realize at the time that the parents come over and um, you entertain the parents while the kids are playing. So, you know, I'm an introvert. And as an introvert, you know, having entertaining other people is not a break. Um, it's great to, to entertain people and I do enjoy it at times. But, you know, when you want to break, that's not really it. And so I thought, you know, there has to be a way for parents to not feel obligated to always stay there because I'm sure that the other parents also have things to do rather than have small talk. And so and also I think and so that's sort of really where it came where it came from. I thought, OK, well, there's this Facebook group where people are trying to like organize a care circle in a Google spreadsheet, which is not the it's not very effective. First of all, it's like 5000 people in a Google spreadsheet, not going to work. And um, and then me trying to like get a break 
and and try to figure out how to tell these parents like you don't have to stay here with your kid in in a, in a nice way. Um, and so I, my background is in, in 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 product and software development. So using my skills, that's sort of how the the idea came to fruition. And I ended up getting another job. I was in between jobs. I got another job. It sort of went on the shelf um, for a bit, but I but I never you know I never really gave up on it. And so fast forward three years, it was. 20, beginning of 2020, I, I really was um, had gone through those cycles at, at work. I worked in, in tech, as I said. I was VP of engineering. I was burned out. I was, had a lot of your typical experiences as a woman in tech and just in tech in general being burned out um, and, and not really um, feeling fulfilled, even though I really loved teams and I loved all of those things, but the corporate environment wasn't really doing it for me. So I was, I, I, I didn't want to do that, but I, I decided to focus on carefully. And, um, and it was really to solve my problem. How do I, how do I find a break, give my son some play dates? And, um, that's really how it came up. And also, I mean, going back to the Facebook thing, I mean, I see these threads in Facebook all day long about people being like, oh, I just need a play date for my kid. And you see a hundred threads deep. Oh, me, 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 and trying to figure it out. And so, and also, I think a lot of Facebook is not the best best place for families or kids anymore. No. And a lot of people don't even want to be on Facebook anymore. I'm barely on there, um, and mostly only because of family these days. But um, but yeah, so that's sort of how it how it really started. And but now my son is eleven. He mostly organizes his own play dates at this stage. But it's really evolved a lot since then and and as the child care crisis has evolved in my understanding of of you know the the challenges that we're facing i think that that it's it's really moved in a in a direction to focus on how do we help the people that need it the most and um and and not just me solving my own personal problem of finding playdates for my kid but how do we help people find affordable accessible inclusive options for childcare and also connect with their community because that's, I mean, just like you said, you were moving to Charleston, South Carolina, and you didn't have a community, especially coming out of the pandemic. I think people have moved, they've relocated, they've lost their community. And also just in the world that we're in today, people have lost touch with their community where you have this loneliness epidemic that that we've heard about. And it's because we we forget that (laughs) we've forgotten or we haven't been taught how much we need to rely on our community. And 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 yes, the government should be helping us with childcare, but we should also think about how we survive for generations by supporting each other in our community. And I think that's also what we really try to do with carefully is remind people, hey, we're here to help. Let's like re- remind each other and build a community where we're just helping each other on a regular basis and we're there for each other. And I want to get into how the Carefully app works, but I want to step back a little bit and talk about your experience of, like you said, working in the tech industry and then transitioning from being, you know, part of a team, being part of a corporation, major companies like Etsy, Travelocity, to then becoming your own entrepreneur. And I always love to ask about the entrepreneurial spirit question because, you know, this is a Forbes Books podcast talking about entrepreneurship. Was that always in you that you would be out on your own and start your own company? And then it was just sort of like being caged in because you were in this world of tech where you were just trying to fight and claw your way up through the corporate ladder? Or was this something that just sprung upon because of the need you saw? Like I like to call it the entrepreneur's conundrum, find the problem, fix a problem. Uh, how did it evolve for you? To be honest, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. Like I was very happy getting a paycheck every two weeks. 
that was sort of what I always thought about when, you know, when I saw people starting their own companies. I know it's really challenging to start a company from the ground up. I like the security. Um, even though I worked at startups that weren't that secure, um, I like the security of, a, of having a paycheck every two weeks and and not having all all of the problems of a startup. Um, but I think through the years, like I said, I went through this kind of psych, what I call a cycle of insanity of expecting a different outcome, doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome where I went into companies and, um, you know, built teams and built products and was very, you know, very um, optimistic about things, but but was oftentimes disheartened about the the status quo of corporate America, right? And 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 wasn't really able to achieve what I wanted to. I think because of the the you know just the I would say the patriarchy because of the different different things. It was a lot. Of, it was stressful and and different things that weren't really like giving me what I needed in my life. And I realized that it, I was never going to get there, right? There was always, it wasn't aligned with my values, right? The, the world that the world that they wanted me to live in wasn't really aligned. And the only way I was going to find that was if I stepped out of it and created it for myself. So that was like part of it. And then through that, you know, with my friends, we used to, we used to always sort of ideate about startups and ideas that we would have. Um, and never really came up with the one that we wanted to work on. So it sort of started getting into my head over time. Like I'm not happy with what I'm doing, but I don't have something else to to start working on. And so when we carefully came into my into my headspace, I was like, okay, this is something that I can do. And I think and the other thing, as I mentioned, I was in between jobs and and in my job, you know, I I was I was a VP of engineering, but my I started my career as an analyst, like as a more on the product side of, you know, envisioning solutions and things like that. So that really is my background. But I had a hard time going from being a VP of engineering, even though I oftentimes would say, look, I want to move to product or I want to take on this because I don't know why it is. I saw I saw male pair, peers of mine who would take on product roles, even though they didn't have that background. And I saw it as a bit of misogyny or sexism. Um, because people that couldn't couldn't see me in a different role, and so I was like, "Well, I'm going to do this and build these skills and build a product on my own to show that I can do it." So that was part of it. Was I didn't necessarily know that this was going to turn into a company, but I thought, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to build some other skills, work some muscles." I had always scaled teams, so I thought, "Like, I'll start something from the ground up." I actually did the initial design for carefully. I even was was do, starting to learn some do, some iOS development, different things, just trying to to learn and explore. And then once I realized, okay, this is actually an idea I can get behind. I like I hired people. I brought people on that could could do those things better better than me. Um, but it really started from me just be trying to show the world that like, I could do all of this, and then realizing this was something that I I really cared about. Hmm. Uh, and. A couple things here. So one is the women in tech issue. I know the numbers are startling. I think it's, I think the latest was like, there's only 30% of women representing the tech industry, you know, working in tech. Uh, I'm sure depending where you look, regardless where you look, it's probably low. And I've heard the horror stories and I'm sure you've lived the horror stories. And I like to keep things positive on this pod, but how bad is it on the inside in these big corporate entities in terms of the relationship between men and women? Yeah, I mean, so I've been in tech for over 20 years. So when I first started, I was definitely, you know, the only the only woman around the table a lot of the time. 
but I was, I was, I, it wasn't something that I really noticed again. Like I really enjoyed what I did. It wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until I got into the leadership roles that I, that I felt it more. And it, it wasn't, it, it was more in hindsight that I, that I realized how much I, I experienced. And there were, there were a series of events that I won't get into where it sort of, I had this realization like, oh, wow, these are all the things that had happened in my career that were actually, um, you know, a result of, of me being a woman more than more than just people giving me feedback. It was more about people giving me feedback because I was a woman and the way that I talked or the way that I act. But it was, you know, it's very nuanced how people perceive you as a woman when you're the only person in that role. If you're a VP of engineering, you don't have as many people to compare you to to say, oh, they're treating you differently. And so it took it took me a, a, a long time to realize it, but it also, I think it broke my spirit a lot. And so for me, getting out of that, I've also like regained who I am and like and found myself again. And I think realized how bad it was. And I don't really like to get into it either because I feel like it was a, a, a part of my life that was like I said, I love the teams that I built. I I really enjoyed the projects and the products that I built, but I also had a lot of challenging experiences that I think that I hope other people didn't. And a lot of it was me fighting for for the teams that I was on and protecting them and kind of that umbrella and building more diverse teams. Um, and it wasn't the teams themselves, but more the executives and the leadership. So I guess that's what I would say. And it sounds like during your career in tech, you became a sort of a jack of all trades and did a lot of things to hone different skills. <laughs> How important has that been to you being now a CEO of a company? I, I can imagine just the experience of you knowing what every person's role is and knowing what that job is essentially, not maybe the the brass tacks of it, but like literally like the role in general. How important has that been in terms of your growth as a CEO? I would say it was helpful, but also as um, a CEO, I've been able to do a lot more and learn a lot more. I think what it taught me was how to how to learn and how to figure anything out. So now I'm able to um, manage the software development um, without too much trouble um, and focus on the things that I don't know as well, which is development, which is the community management, which is, you know, all the other pieces that I actually wasn't exposed to. And I mean, I so, the sales and the business development is the biggest piece. I really stayed far away from sales. I would have never considered myself a salesperson. Um, and I really um, avoided it for a long time with Carefully. And I've um, been uh, pleasantly surprised with my ability to understand how to embrace it in a way that feels authentic and genuine for me. Um, and so I think that that's been just being able to to learn new things is the skill that it that it teaches me. But there's a lot of things that when you're in engineering, it's so all encompassing that you don't do as a as a that you, you realize you don't do. So being a CEO, I've actually enjoyed the learning the things that I didn't have the opportunity to do um, working in working in tech for so long. That's awesome. Uh, and, and you know, it's funny when you see the uh, the gravestones of of companies that failed. A lot of the time is because these entrepreneurs are failing on the business side. Like they have this uh, incredible vision and they have this incredible idea. But at the end of the day, as you've come to find out with as being a CEO, it's all these other things that you never thought about would be important, but are. 
how how important has it been to surround yourself with people to sort of fill in those gaps, like the things you say you're learning on the fly? How important was it to develop this team around you to help step in where it was where it's an area that was maybe not your strongest suit? Oh yeah, I mean that's critical, and and I think as I would I would add on top of that, being bootstrapped and not having a lot of resources, it's about also finding those advisors and those people that are willing to kind of surround you and give you advice that aren't necessarily staff. And those are the people I have, you know, a team of, of people that I consider advisors for carefully that are across, you know, community and early childhood and finance and all these that are that I could never afford to hire, right? But that are very passionate about our mission and um in in and care about the success of Carefully. And I think that those people are super critical for helping drive us in the right direction as well. Cool. So you we've got sort of got the broad scope of what Carefully is, but let's walk through it. Like, how does it work? How does it yeah. help folks? Uh, I'm assuming you go to an app store and download. I know I'm really dumbing things down here, but uh, you get the Carefully app. Walk us through that. Yeah, so I'll just start with the the sort of high level. So Carefully is a platform for parents to connect with people they know and trust to exchange childcare for free. And I always like to focus on that for free. It's not it's not a transactional monetary exchange like Care.com or Sitter City. It's a it's sort of like mutual aid for childcare. So you're connecting with people and you're building trusted networks like a social network, um, but people that you want to shared care with. So you can organize playdates, you can ask people to watch your kids, and you can organize group events as well. It really does work best if you're, if you know people in your community to start that network with. So people that you go to, your kids go to school with, and it might be your second, third, fourth degree connections, but people that your kids go to school with that you know from like faith-based organizations, church, um, things like that after school sports, after school groups, things like that, that you can kind of bring into this group and start to build. You don't have to know them well. It's just people that your kids are going to get along with, right? And so you want to build groups and build networks around that. So you download the app, you create a group, you invite people into your group and that, and you can build multiple, you can have multiple groups. You might have multiple kids or multiple types of groups that you want to build. And that collection of groups creates your overall network, right? And so once you have your network, you can then set your availability, which tells people this is when I'm able to help help out with care. So then when you need help, you go to that, go into the app and you you enter a search request. So you say, hey, I need help with Joe from five to six on Friday. And you press search and we have a we have a map-based search. So it shows you everybody from your network, only in, only people within your network that you've added um, who are available. And then those from those people, you can send them a request. Um, there's a few other ways to kind of search uh, to search as well. You can send them a direct request and different things. But that's really the core experience. And um, and then we use a system of karma care hours to help people stay in balance. So instead of always feeling like, oh, somebody invited my kid over, I have to return the invitation right away. It's more you know that everybody is kind of staying in balance with their karma care hours. So you earn karma care hours. When you watch somebody else's kids, and then you use those karma care hours to request help from somebody in your network, then that's really essentially how it works. That's so cool. Uh, and so let's go back to my early example of me moving into a new neighborhood. And as you know, we're living in a very mobile society. People are migrating all over the country and becoming the 
new person in town. How do you help that person who's like struggling to meet people with kids? Maybe their kid isn't old enough to go to school yet, or maybe they're homeschooled, <laughs> what have you. How, how can you help folks like that who don't have that built-in network already? So I'll, I'll say two things. So first of all, like you said, you found a Facebook group. What I would, what I suggest is people create a group on Carefree and we have a, there's a link that you can share. You take that link and you drop it into your Facebook group and you say, Hey, like I'm new in town and I have, I have a kid. I'm starting a group for Playdate. Um, please join my group. And then you get some people to join your group. You only need really a couple of people to start. You want to meet those people. So the the best thing to do to start is you don't just drop your kids off at somebody's house that you don't know, but you organize group events, right? So you can say, let's meet at the park on Saturdays and you can set, you can set up some regular group meetups, right? So meet at a, a local park nearby and you organize some regular events and people will start to come. Everybody needs to get out of the house with their kids. And if you're meeting up, you meet up, you see how your kids get along, then you organize maybe something at their house so the kids can meet at their house and then once you get to know people you can start doing swaps and things like that and start helping each other out what i know from my own experience because like i said i'm an introvert people are often afraid to be the first person to ask for help and if you put it out there you see the look of relief on people's face because they all want they all want that right and you say like look i i i'm trying to start a care circle or a, a babysitting swap um, I just need a group of, you know, five people and we can help each other out with date nights, save some money and people will jump at it. Right. Just like when you see that those conversations on that's people trying. Right. And I think carefully just makes it easy to get that going once you have a leader that's like, let's do it. <laughs> that's great. And it's funny because I always I always say that, you know, high school never ends. We're always so socially awkward. That's why it's always harder to make friends when you're an adult. So I feel like this could be a big key. And one thing that uh, I'm not a parent, but my bro- my brother has a kid and he is an only child. And I feel like the Carefully app is great for only children. I've I've had this running joke because my, my brother, for some reason, has had this habit of only dating women that were only children. And so <laughs> they never understood the dynamic of a brother-brother relationship, how we, we, we take shots at each other, we insult each other. But at the end of the day, we love each other. And one of the things I've always said is like, only children are so slow to evolve because they don't have to share out of the womb. Like they don't get into fights as soon as they're like in there. They live in this bubble in this cocoon of just being old. And I'm just wondering because you said you have a, you know, your 11 year old son, you had an only child for a while there. Um, how important could it be for that kind of dynamic where it's like the only kid in the house looking to expand their own network of, of people that they can hang with and help evolve as as humans as children and then turn into adults oh one i mean one thousand percent i mean that's what i always say like right my tagline or my origin story in a sentence is um i'm an introverted mom with an extroverted kid he always needs a play date and i always need a break because he is like he he needs it like he needs those play dates he was organizing play dates before he even knew what he was doing he would come home to me and be like oh i'm supposed to meet so-and-so at the park i'm like do they know that and he'd be like, no, we have, to, we have to go. And of course they weren't there, right? So he always wanted playdates. And I think, and for me also, like I said, I worked in tech. I worked long hours. I often didn't know the people, the parents in his class. So for me, that was a great way. And that's what I, that's another way that I think about people using carefully is if you set up, you set up a group for your class at school and you send out the link to the class to school for them to send out and all the parents join that 
join the group on Carefully. It's much easier to organize play dates from school, help with pickups if you're running late, things like that. It's great for helping um, helping the parents connect through school, especially for working parents that don't always get to pick up the kids, don't get to know the, all the parents, but the kids know each other and they want to play together. And then on the weekends when you don't have anything to do, you just throw something in the chat and say, hey. So it's, it's been critical for, for us as a, as a single mom and a single kid. It's it's been super helpful, and um, you know it's funny because and it's hard to believe, but like Facebook has now become a legacy media. You know, (laughs) as weird as that sounds, but how is it in terms of like you know we at the jump I was talking about how people use Facebook as sort of like their childcare uh, application. How has been adoption of the Carefully app been because people are quote unquote used to doing it this way? Um, How? Uh, people, we, we were out getting into like the number of users and stuff like that. How have yeah. you seen on your side, like how, how have people gravitated to carefully? Yeah. I mean, I do think, I think that, that, that the, that there are a growing number of people that don't use Facebook. And so they are looking for something different. And that's where you see, you see a lot of new, new parents coming on and people trying to find alternatives to whether it's Facebook or whatever other um, antiquated social, social networks that, that um, it's picking up. I think that I think that the the bigger challenge is what I mentioned before, which is this idea of, of asking for help. Um, it people will use it for think about it for organizing playdates, but I really think the idea of community based care, where people are regularly just having kids go over to each other's houses in the in the neighborhood, is really my vision for it because that's how. That's how our, that's how our you know generations ago. That's how people raise their kids, and even today, you know, that's how a lot of families still survive. But they do it with they they rely on one or two other friends to help them out. And if those one or two other friends move away, if they get sick or whatever, they can't go to work or they can't do other things. And so, having a bigger network of people that you can rely on, and where it's just it's just accepted, it's not a big deal. Like so and so is always over at this house or that house, and and everybody is moving around, it's just, it's an easier way to parent, right? Because you have a bigger support network. But that is the biggest hurdle is helping people realize that you don't have to do it alone. And like, and once they, once they get together and start doing it, the the realization of how much, how much better their life is when the kids always have somebody to play with, and you always have somebody to reach out to, then you never want to go back. But getting over that um, that indoctrination that we have as as Americans, especially that we have to be independent and and do do it all on our own, is to me the biggest hurdle. That's what we're trying to kind of help people get past first. So that's that mindset shift that we're trying to help people change. But I do think I I actually think that some of the stuff that we're hearing about people feeling isolated and alone and things like that, and that that conversation has made people be like okay, this is not good. Other people are feeling alone. How do I change it? And so you see people reaching out. I, I think that that right now, the stage that Carefully is at, we still haven't, don't have quite enough functionality in the app and enough people supporting it, uh, staff to help people that don't have a community. You could, There are ways to, to meet people, but it's not quite there yet. We're still working on that part. That's cool. And uh, lastly, there's a big difference between idea and execution. And you know this now being a founder, but 
Um, I was, I have this, uh, my joke, my wife and I always joke around, like, we'll see there's a new app or a new thing out. She's like, oh, I had that idea five years ago. And I'm like, well, you didn't do anything with it. So ideas are worthless. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about the execution. So has the execution of Carefully and where you are now met your expectations when they ha- when you had the idea originally, almost going on eight or nine years now? Has it, has it, has it sort of met what you were thinking, what you dreamed? Because uh, as we all know, like I think Facebook's, you know, I hate keep talking about Facebook, but Facebook just started as a place where people rated people's appearances on a college campus and you yeah. see where it is now. Has the Carefully now what you envisioned or do you see you're still you're, or do you see yourself still getting there at this point i mean it's a it's my vision for it has definitely evolved beyond where i started but the core part of that core experience of a care circle is still the core foundation um but it's expanded um beyond that and my focus uh on really prioritizing the needs of the of low and middle income families who really need it the most and and also creating this platform for the caring economy that's much more much broader than that we're still we're still at the at this first stage of creating the community uh this mutualistic community but the vision is is still is bigger and and so um it takes so much time and so that's the challenge is 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 i want to build that sense of mutualism before we move out too far because a lot of people are like why can't i find babysitters over here i just want to pay for a babysitter but i really feel like it's important that we create a community that's based on a sense of mutualism before we start moving to to other types of care um and so being patient um with myself and with with the growth of the platform is is the biggest challenge but it's i think it's way 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 exceeded my expectations of what it would be and i'm so excited about the potential of what it could be um at this point and where it's going so yes i guess (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny you're speaking to you leslie it's like i feel like you're really threading that needle because as you mentioned before like it's not a transactional like hire a babysitter or and it's not just a community where people just get and chat online like a, a reddit a, a, you know a reddit board or something like that you it's i mean i'm sure you realize what you're doing is you're really walking a really thin line between those two worlds and i think that's sort of where you're talking about getting to that mutualism where you combine the two of that transaction and that sort of community that's the tough part it seems like leslie yeah for sure Be, because the, the idea with the with the principles of mutualism is you want to solve the problem. You want to solve the problem of childcare, which is helping people find care. But we also want to make sure that we can support the platform through some sort of economic mechanism. And so ultimately, we we have to find ways to support it because we want to give back to the communities that we serve. And we want to be able to support ourselves without always having to get grants and different things like that. And that's part of and I have that plan. I have that vision. <laughs> But but it takes time, you know, and seeing seeing the progress is, is important to keep me energized and we do see that progress, but the vision is um what we're solving is is important and the, the vision that is coming to life. No, it's definitely inspiring. And uh you know, I just wanna say in closing, your son isn't an only child because carefully is your second baby. So oh, yeah. if you were if you were thinking of carefully as a yeah, anthropomorphize it, you know, make it a human being. How old is Carefully right now? Well, and I do refer to Carefully as my other baby, so you're not <laughs> wrong. <laughs> um, and, he would, and my son would probably agree. Um, 
Uh, but I mean, uh, Carefully was born in 2016. So it's 2023. So it's about seven years old. Okay. So it's still, so it's still, so it's still, it's still your baby. It's not, it's not, it's not, a, oh, like, not an annoying teenager just yet. It's, it, no. it, it, it's good. All right. Awesome. Well, it's, it's a wonderful story, Leslie. I, I'm really looking forward to see the path you take in the future. Like I said, it's, you're really threading a, a, a needle there where it's, you're just so different from a lot of other things. Like everyone just wants to do that. Just here, here, take my money or here, just let me take my login. But it's really wonderful how you're building a company that's not just going to help people today, but help people in the future. And so that's, that to me is really exciting about the future of Carefully. So I appreciate you sharing your story and, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. And I appreciate that you recognize all of that. That's really wonderful for me. Thank you. You're welcome. And that'll do it for another episode of the Forbes Books Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you'll get new episodes as soon as they're available. And if you have a spare moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you leave a review, which would help other exceptional entrepreneurs like you discover the show. You can always connect with me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Joe Partavilla. And please do not forget the golden rule and treat others as you want to be treated. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Adios.